0: Welcome to New Life Church. Is anybody in love with Jesus here today and excited? Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give a praise to our king, the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. So glad that you're here. Welcome, everybody, at all of our locations. We're one church and three locations and our online campus. And my name is Chris. I'm super glad, excited that I get to share God's Word with you today in a new teaching series called Unwavering. And have you ever wavered with the decision you had to choose between two things and, man, you just couldn't decide? Anybody uh, between Coke and Pepsi? How many Coke people? Come on, raise your hand. How many Pepsi people? Raise your hand. I'm not talking about these kind of meaningless decisions, whether or not to get the glazed donut or the sprinkled donut. By the way, it's glazed. Sprinkles are of the devil. They get all over the place. But... Not the menial decisions, but the big, giant decisions in life. And, and it can be easy to, to, to be indecisive and to waver between two options. And so I want you to imagine that you're standing at a fork in the road, this hypothetical fork in the road. And at that fork, there stands two guards. And you know of the following things about this situation. that The first thing you know is that one of the paths leads to eternal life. And the other path leads to death. But you cannot distinguish which path leads where. You also know that one of the two guards always tells the truth. He can only tell the truth. And the other guard always lies. And you have permission to ask one guard one question to discover which path is the right path that leads to heaven. And so I want you to think, what question, what one question... Would you ask? Here's what I would ask. Here's what I would do. I would encourage you to ask one guard, which path would the other guard say leads to heaven? Because if you ask the truthful guard, if it ends up being the truthful guard, then he is going to say the lying guard would say the wrong path. And if you ask the lying guard, he would say that the truthful guard would pick the wrong path as well. Why? Because that's the lying guard. So no matter what, no matter who you choose, which guard you choose, and you ask them, you always can just choose the opposite of what they say and you will get to heaven. Come on, anybody's mind blown? You're going to be thinking about this today. That is the answer to the question. Unbelievable, but that's. Uh, I'm so thankful that that's not how we get to heaven by just figuring out this logical way those one line guard and one truth telling guard. And how do I figure out which path? That's not the way that you get to heaven. The way that you get to heaven is by faith, it's by faith in the crucified and risen Son of God that is Jesus. And uh, he calls us not only to have faith so that we can make heaven, but to have an unwavering faith for this life on this earth. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life uh, that I want to talk to you about today. And so we're in this series called Unwavering. We're going to look at a man named Abraham. And so let's go to Romans chapter 4. By the way, if you have your phone or device, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and download that. Click on events and find New Life Church. If you have your physical Bible with you, open up to Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. And we're looking at this man named Abraham. And it says this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. How many would love for this to be said about your life? That you were someone who trusted God fully, that you believed the promises of God, that you never wavered in your faith in God's promise. I hope that when the day comes that people gather around and celebrate my life, that they are able to say this about me. And so today we're going to look at the life of Abraham, and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different facets of his life. And the thread that we're going to tug on in Abraham's life is about having an unwavering faith in God's promise that God made to him, and specifically today, the call upon his life. And so I want to talk to you not only about Abraham, but I want to talk to you about the call of God on your life, and while it, why it's crucial, and it's also possible to have an unwavering faith in God to believe Him enough to answer the call and follow Him every step of the way. Now, some of you are saying, "I don't know, Pastor Chris, if I have a calling from God on my life." That's for you because you're a pastor. But today, my job is to convince you that you do. In fact, everybody, say, "I am called." I am called. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am called. I am called. Turn to your neighbor and say, "You're called." come on, you're called. And so that's my hope today, to convince you of that. And the reason why this is kind of burning, if you can't tell, within my heart is I can't stop thinking about this, that so many people are living and settling for so much less than God has for them. So many people are settling for so much less than Jesus paid such a high price for, and we should have everything that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Come on, at all of our locations, amen? want everything that God has for you. So God has a calling upon your life. And I want to demystify that because, again, we tend to think of God's call upon our life as for being a pastor or a missionary or something uh, along those lines. But can I demystify it and just kind of give you my definition of what a calling from God is? A calling is simply a command with a promise. A command with a promise. God says, "Do this. This is what I want you to do with my with your life, or this is what I want you to do in this uh, season of your life." And there's a promise. It's either explicit or implicit. It's implicit because we know the character and nature of God, or at least we should be getting to know that we can trust him, that he is faithful, that he will provide, that when we follow God, he will empower us and enable us to do what he's called us to do. Or he may speak something to our spirit or through his word that's explicit. This is God's promise. When I've called you, I will equip you, I will enable you. We can trust God. So a calling is simply a command with a promise, and every single one of you has a calling on your life. Once again, say, I'm called. I'm called. You're called. So who is Abraham, and what can we learn about his life, and how did he demonstrate an unwavering faith in God's calling? Well, to hear about Abraham, we got to go back to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book that we have in the canon of, of the Bible. Genesis literally means beginnings, so we hear about the beginnings. And uh, if you remember, if you've read uh, Genesis, you remember it starts off with creation and God created the world and God created man. He reached down into the dust of the earth and he formed man. He breathed the breath of life in mankind and he created Adam and Eve to have relationship with him, to be in harmony in that relationship with him. But they chose rebellion. They chose sin and independence from God. And when they disobeyed God, sin Infected the human race, and this desire that we all have now to do our own thing that pushes against God entered the human race, and it brought a division between man and God. And you even see in Adam and Eve, their two sons, the first murder happened, son on son murder. And in, in all of All of the people that began to be born and how the earth began to be filled, you had these remnants of people that trusted God, but then for the majority of the people, they rebelled against God. They were going their own way. So you have the creation, you have the fall of man, and ultimately you get to the flood. Noah and his family were the only righteous people on this earth, and everybody else was doing their own thing, so God brought a, a great flood and killed everybody. And everything on the planet except those that were in the ark. And so you have this small remnant. But again, mankind, as people began to be born and the earth began to be populated, they again rebelled against God. And God shows up and it's the scattering of the nations. And he came and he confused their languages at the Tower of Babel. They all spoke one language and God comes in supernaturally. Now they don't speak that, you know, I don't speak that language. I speak this language. They didn't understand each other. And so they scattered Across the earth. And so you have this situation where man is in rebellion. So, what is God going to do to rescue his people? And then a genealogy is revealed that leads to this man named Abraham. And God's plan for this man, Abraham. Would impact all of human history. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. It says, The Lord said to Abram, by the way, Abram was his first name. God later changed his name to Abraham. And so when I refer to him, I'm going to say Abraham unless I'm reading scripture. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. There's the command. And then here comes the promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Sounds pretty good so far, right? I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And This is known as the Abrahamic call. But that sounds kind of weird. So let's just call it Abraham's call, all right? This is God's call upon Abraham's life. And remember, a calling is what? It's a command... With a promise. A calling from God is God's command with a promise. And so what was the command? God says, go where I will show you. Leave your fam- leave your home. Leave- take your family, but leave what you know and step out and move away. But you don't know where you're going to go, but I'll, I'll show you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. And then the promise that I'm going to bless you. How many want to be blessed by God? That's a great, plus, uh, bl- uh, great promise that God says, I will bless you. And that's what God promised Abraham. I will bless you. That you will have children. And not only children, that he will have a, an exponential number of descendants. And that there would be a divine impact through his life and through his family, through his lineage upon the whole earth. That he would protect And By the way, speaking of his lineage, you go to, I think it's Matthew chapter 14. I might be wrong on that, but you, or no, it's Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. You see the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus, the incarnated God, Jesus. And the first person that it mentions in the genealogy, guess who it is? Abraham. And so God's promising, all oh, the world will be blessed. There will be this great impact through you. So the command was go. Go where I will show you. And here's where we see an unwavering, not a second-guessing, This faith-filled response in Abraham, verse 4 of chapter 12. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Now, God says go. I'm going to show you where I'm going to go. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the story, I'm going to tell you a little piece of the end of the story. The place that God would eventually show Abraham was a place called Canaan. Everybody say Canaan. Canaan. All right, Canaan, a.k.a. the promised land. All right, this is God's land of promise for his people. The promised land is Canaan. Today we know it as Israel. So, so that was where God would eventually, as you see the story unfold, show Abraham was Canaan. That's where he ended up, all right? But originally... Abraham was not living in the place where God had called him. Previously, he was living in a place called Haran, or excuse me, or, um, was not living there, but he was living in a place called Ur. Now he's in Haran. Let me go to Genesis chapter eleven because I'm going to give you an interesting piece of the backstory. Stick with me; this is going to blow your mind better than the, you know, the, the two path thing with the guards. All right, this is really really good. Genesis 11, chapter 31. Again, this is before God calls him to go where I'll show you and brings all the promises. There's a man named Terah. Okay, Terah took his son Abram. So this is Abraham's dad. Abraham's with his dad Terah. He took his son Abram, his grandson uh, Lot. Lot was in the, in the other part, right? Remember? Abraham went with Lot son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So they were in Ur, they set out to go to Canaan. Remember we said Canaan is the promised land, right? So, so this, is a, this is another story previous to the call of Abraham. They were in Ur, they set out to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They were setting out from Ur to go to, the, go to Canaan, but when they got to Haran, they settled there. And that's where God shows up and calls Abraham to go where I will show you. So using this whole promised land metaphor, let me just say this. In order for you as an individual to get where God is calling you to go, you're going to have to do what I'm about to talk about. Remember, again, they left Ur to go where? Canaan. All right. Somebody heard my first service message over here. Good. You remembered. They go to Canaan, the promised land. But when they got to Haran, they said, you know, we're good. We got it made in the shade. This is good. And they settled there. Now, from the text, we don't know why they stopped. But we do know that God put this in there, that they left Ur to go to Canaan. But they got halfway there and they stopped. They settled. For whatever reason, and I would like to lay my own uh, kind of guesses upon the situation that, that that they got to Haran and said, "Man, this is good enough." Obviously, they settled there, so there was a there was there was a place to you know there was a great place to raise a family and to work. There was provision, and somehow they got de- derailed. And so Abram's father Terah lived two hundred and five years, which that, that'll blow your mind right there, and he died in the place where he settled. Here's my point. Along the path of God's call upon your life, where God is leading and guiding your life, there are distractions all along the way that will try to tempt you to settle. God's taking you. He's called you to do one thing, to go one place. And as you pursue Him, there's going to be moments where you will want to stall out and you will want to settle. In my family, I have four brothers and two sisters. Big family. And my brother, one of my younger brothers, Nate, he's a twin. He's seven years younger than me. And God had a call upon Nate's life to be a pastor when he was really young, just like me. Since God calling me to be a pastor. And by the way, that call to be a pastor is, I, I don't want to elevate that over any other calling. God has a call upon your life to be doing what God has called you to do. The, call, the, the issue is obedience to the calling, the way he's created to you. You, But God had this, spe, this distinct call upon Nate's life for vocational ministry. And so he did what I did. He went to Bible College, North Central Bible College, now North Central University uh, in Minneapolis. It's one of our Assemblies of God universities, which New Life is a fellowship, a part of. And so our parents didn't pay our way to college, and so we had to work through college. And my dad, my dad used to tell us when we were we were younger how poor they were when he was growing up, and I think my dad just wanted us to experience the same thing, you know. And there's, is that there's something? How many of you, when you were in college, or maybe you're currently in college, and you would say, "I'll admit it, I'm poor," all right? Or when you were in college, yeah, it was tough, right? It was tough. And uh, there's something mystically romantic when you think back to how bad we used to have it in fact I was with my son this week he's going to be attending North Central this fall and pursuing ministry in his life and as we were as we were there uh, this week I was telling him the stories about mom and dad and how poor we were And but it was these great memories how sadistic is that right and we had to work our way through college. So we were, we were, you know, poor college students. And we discovered, Lynette, my wife, and I, we discovered that there was this restaurant, Mexican restaurant. By the way, that's what they serve in heaven. Come on. Anybody else with me? Mexican food. And uh, chips and salsa and guacamole, all you can eat. And we found this Mexican restaurant that on Tuesday nights, if you sat in the bar area, and you didn't have to sit at the bar, but the bar area that they had a buffet, appetizer buffet that was free. Now, what were they counting on? They were counting on you to buy to spend a lot of money in alcohol that it would compensate for how many free appetizers. But we would just order $1.39. This is a long time ago. $1.39 Diet Coke. So $2.78 if I'm doing my math right real quick for two people. And, man, we would eat like kings and queens at the Mexican appetizer buffet, right, with no shame, no shame. We did tip, but there was no shame. Hey, just be honest. We're here for the free appetizers. And so we had to work our way through college. And so Nate did as well. And he got a job working uh, while he's pursuing the call of God in his life. He got a job working in a business. And he began to, he was really successful in his job. He got promoted to a manager and then an area, area director for this business. And he was making a lot of money for a young college, 20, early 20s college student. And I remember having a conversation with Nate on the phone, and and I was like, Nate, you're making, you're you're experiencing all this financial success. And my encouragement, my older brother advice for him was to not get used to that lifestyle, and begin living a lifestyle that you get stuck in a place where you are tempted to be. Settling so much that you can't say yes to God. Does that make sense? Don't don't begin to live this lifestyle with a mortgage and a car payment, and just all of that, and so sucked into that. And there's nothing wrong with having to living that, to having financial success. There's nothing wrong with that. But I said, Nate, you're going to be a pastor, all right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So don't get stuck in that lifestyle where you can't say yes to God as He leads you in your life, and eventually. Uh, he had a huge promotion, more and more financial success to the point that he, brought, he bought the company. And by age 26, he had made his first million. And within a few years, he owned 17 retail, retail stores doing $17 million a year, living life at warp speed, and incredibly successful in business. And on paper, it sounds like Nate is successful but God had a call upon his life for vocational ministry. And Nate settled for something less, far less, than what God had for him. Now, settling doesn't always result in monstrous sin habits. But let me just say this, and let me clarify. There's nothing wrong with financial and business success. That's got what God's called you to do. And man, you're living right in the very center of God's will for your life. But God had a call upon Nate's life for vocational ministry, and he had settled. Settling, it doesn't always produce monstrous sin habits, but let me say this, settling is disobedience, and disobedience always multiplies in your life, and it multiplied in Nate's life because he had settled and he went down this path. Not only was he trading in what he defined as success in this life for his calling, but he was headlong in secret addictions, shameful addictions, He had an eating disorder. His marriage was a mess. He didn't even care if he lost his marriage. He was a workaholic. He could not get enough of just the next opportunity. And God's call upon his life was so far from his desires that he abandoned his calling. He abandoned church and he became angry with God. Why? Because he settled and he substituted something else for the calling and obedience to the calling. On his life. And like all stories, there is more to the story, but what I want you to notice and see is the danger of settling. So they left Ur to go to Canaan, and when they got to Haran, they settled. This is good enough. I know we were going there, but we're good here. So as soon as Abraham's father dies, what happens? Abraham becomes a patriarch. And Genesis 11 turns to Genesis 12. And God comes back to get Abraham to the promised land with a calling and with a promise. And aren't you thankful for Abraham that he had this unwavering faith and he broke the pattern of his father? Here's what we know about his father. Not very much. But if you go to Joshua, I think it's 22 or 24, you'll see where his father is listed as somebody who worshipped false idols. He bowed down and worshiped false idols. So we know at least a snapshot of his life. He, he was not serving God. And Abraham, because of his unwavering faith, he just had this belief that God would do what he said he does, said he, said he will. He broke the pattern of his family. And this is the big takeaway for some of you today, that God has a call upon your life, but you have settled God has a call, and again, don't, don't automatically go to being a pastor or a missionary or, or some vocational thing like that. God has a call upon your life, whatever it is, and some of you, you've settled, or some of you, there's a call upon your life, but there's a temptation. You're in a season of temptation, whether it's a relationship, a guy or a girl, right, and they're not called. They're, they're, they're not living in the ways of God. Right? Or it's a, it's, a, it's a financial thing or a job or an interpersonal r- struggle. There's a temptation to settle, to give up on what you know God has said to you. And you can blame circumstances, people, your family. You can blame a job situation or losing a job. or You can blame all those things. But all it will do is stall you out and keep you from moving forward to God's best, God's calling upon your life. And the good news is... That God is the God of second chances. Has anybody experienced that in, his li- in their life? That he is the God of reboots and restarts. Can you give it up for Jesus today that he is the God of second chances? That when you've stalled out, if you will humble yourself, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, what will he do? He will lift you up. It's not too late. It's not too late. I love this in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. When God has called you, he's called you. And you simply just need to come back to the calling. I'm so thankful that even when we've settled, and I have my own story, even when we've settled, God still pursues us like he did Abraham. So my brother, in the middle of his mess, in the middle of his crisis, in the middle of his running, his pain, in the midst of that, he hit rock bottom. And a friend named Chad recognized that he was hurting, that he was in a mess. And even though my brother had walked away from church, he didn't want to have anything to do with church, Chad just continued to reach out to them. And Chad invited him man, come come and check out my church. It's different. You know, it's different. You can kind of come and kind of fly under the radar for a while. But Chad loved my brother. And so Chad would meet and his family would meet my brother and his family at the church. And there's not enough time for me to walk down my brother's whole testimony. But let me just tell you, I've, I had him send it to me. As I was preparing, I wanted to share his story and I got his permission to do so. And, uh, As I began to read the the list of names of people that reached out to him, a 21-year-old intern invited him to serve in ministry. Another person invited him to have accountability in a small group. Another invited him to work out, and they would talk and pray together. And there's this list of people that engaged my brother. And through years of building connectivity, accountability, relationships, and spiritual health in his life, his marriage got back on track. He sold his business, and he returned to the place of his calling, and he went all in. And today, I think he's in Canada today, probably sharing his story. Today, he's an executive pastor at an amazing church, leading an amazing staff. He's a part of the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. I think that's where he's at this week, just leading church planners and teaching. And he came back to the place of the calling. I just want to stir up your faith today that you can trust God's plan for your life. You can trust him. He is the originator. he's the designer of your life. And not just your biology, but your redemptive destiny. There's no reason to waver. There's no reason to second guess. If God has called you, you can trust him. How many want to have an unwavering faith in God's calling on your life? Yeah, I want to as well. Amen. Come on. Yeah, so the big idea is don't settle. Keep moving forward. And so I want to share with you some realities of not settling. All right? There are five of them. So those of you that watch the clock, you're going to count me down. But let me just tell you, you help me preach. This goes faster, right? Number one, not settling feels risky. And I emphasize that word feels because the idea... That not settling and obeying God is risky is a farce. The idea that we have heard from God, and if I'm going to obey him, oh, that's risky. Think about who we're talking about. If you understand the character and nature of God, when he says go, you can trust him. There is no risk in trusting God. Now, it feels risky, absolutely, because we're human and he is God. And a lot of times that risky feeling is just our own humanity bumping up against our spirit faith. It's pushing against God. And we're wondering, yeah, you know, what am I going to lose? It's going to cost me something. That's, that's generally what we mean when we say it's risky. Like it's going to cost me something. But the idea that it's a risk to trust God and obey God I think is, is almost a... An insult, in my opinion, to who God is. But it feels risky. It feels risky. Sometimes it's like the, the risk is I'm going to step out and take a risk because I'm not sure if I heard God. <laughs> like, is this God or is that me? And so in that sense, it's a risk. I'm risking whether or not I have the degree to whether or not this is God or not. But I just wanted to highlight that. It it will feel risky. Here's what it says in verse 1 of 12. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Another way to say this and turn it around is not settling will cost you. So God says to him, I'm not going to give you the details because that does not require faith. I'm simply asking you to go to take a step into what I've revealed it reminds me of the, the, the verse that says, without vision, people perish. But if we will do the revealed, what God has revealed, we will be blessed. See, if we can't have a vision and understanding, clarity that God has called me to do this, that's what a vision is. Like I'm, I'm seeing something God's saying. We, we perish, or other translations say we throw off restraint. We're just kind of, we're floundering. But if we will do what God has told us to do, There will be a blessing that will chase us down. So God says, I'm not going to give you all the details, Abraham. Just go. Now, you might be able to identify with where he is settled. You might be living in Haran, comfortable. You're good at this. You're good at this thing. But where you're going, where God wants to take you, requires faith. Faith feels risky, but that is a delusion. Remember, I said that. Consider the source of the promise. That feeling is only your own humanity. But when you know God has called you, you can bank on it. Number two, not settling is exciting. Everybody say that with me. Not settling is exciting. So it feels risky, but it's also exciting. Verse two, it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Imagine you're Abraham you get this promise from God. I will make you into a great nation. In other words, you're going to have children, and your children are going to have children, Then there's going to be a greatness of size and reputation to your family, and I will bless you. Up to this point, Abraham had a vision for his family, but God says there's a nation at stake here. There's something bigger than what you can see, and so it is for your life. So it is for our church, New Lifers. If you call this church, you're a... You're a member, you're a partner, you're a t- this is your family, your church. I believe that God, that's what God is calling us to do, and it feels risky. Pastor Jeff outlined kind of a portion of that last week, that he's called us to have proactive faith and to engage in the work of planning life-giving churches and campuses, and it's going to feel risky at times for sure. It's going to require us not to settle, settle into just, man, I, I just love what we got. That's why, that's why we say we are one church because we are one church, but we want you to feel it. I want you to feel it. In fact, I want to encourage you to visit every campus to go there, because that's your church. And you're going to attend the campus you attend, but just get a sense. That will help, help you understand, you know, this is bigger than me. And we can say, well, we, we just like what we have, but God's called us to something. He's called us to expand, to be kingdom builders on this earth, and it's going to feel risky, but it's also it's going to be exciting God's future because God's future and his calling is always the best possible future and it's always exciting because it requires faith and then we get to when we step out in the natural guess what God does the supernatural when we respond in faith we get to see God show up and show off in our in our midst in what we're doing so it's exciting The Bible says the harvest is plentiful. How many farmers in the house love when the harvest is plentiful? Come on. We love it in Nebraska when the harvest is plentiful. Well, Scripture's talking about those that have yet to come into God's family, yet to be saved and become followers of Jesus. There's a great harvest, it's plentiful. And we're just getting started seeing people find Jesus and lives change that new life, not only through uh, the, the combined efforts, but through your life, through your calling impacting this world number three not settling brings responsibility second part of verse two it says i will make your name great and you will be a blessing i'll make your name great i'll make your name influential there'll be something about your name that that will draw people's attention there will be a great a greatness in the aspect of your name And you will be a blessing. Notice what he says there, I will make your name great and and, and be a blessing. Think about this. We often say, God, make me great and bless me so that I can be blessed. We might not say that. That sounds kind of ridiculous. But that's that's what we say sometimes, right? But God is saying, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. So not settling means we have to step into the responsibility of, of receiving a great name. And the blessing of God so that it can be, we can be a conduit of the blessing of God to other people. It's responsibility. Responsibility to be a blessing. Blessing to lost people, broken people, hurting people. Found people just living outside of their purpose. And we have the answer. So Abraham's call. Abraham's call. If I can come back to this. The call of God on Abraham's life to go where I'll show you I think is rooted in this message from chapter 11. Don't settle. Or at least that's what I see. Don't settle, press on. So it feels risky, it's exciting, comes with responsibility. Number four, not settling invites God's protection and provision. His protection and provision. He says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse. In other words, if you will be willing to trust me and not to settle and obey and go where I will show you, I will bless you that so you can be a blessing. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. How many want to walk under the blessing of the Lord, right? The blessing of the Lord. How many want to walk under the protection of the Lord, right? And the provision of the Lord? Not settling invites that. It says, God, I want everything that you have, and here's how I'm going to show you I'm going to believe you enough to follow you. And it invites his protection and and provision. Number five, not settling creates an eternal impact. It creates an eternal impact. If you will choose not to settle and get comfortable with with just whatever it is that you feel like, you you know, you've made the definition of what your life is all about, don't settle. Follow God. It makes an eternal impact. Verse 3, the second part says, And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples. And It happened. I refer to the genealogy of Jesus, right? Abraham's known as the father of the faith because why? He believed he did not waver. He believed that what God said he would do. And God is asking you and God is asking us, new life, not to settle. If we will be unwavering in our faith and our belief in God's promise, he's going to bless us so that we can be a blessing and we get to step into the greatest possible future and that's his future. And I believe that this is where so many of you probably are today. God is asking you not to settle, to be unwavering in your faith and trust to the point that you follow him. God, God has a calling upon your life. Once again, say, I'm called. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm called. There we go. God has a calling on your life, a command with a promise that he will be with you. He will enable you. And let me just tell you, God can be trusted. There's no reason to waver. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason to buy into the feeling that you're risking something. For some of you, the call is to surrender your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior and go all in. For some of you, it's being a spiritual leader in your home, with your marriage or with your family or at your workplace. Some of you can identify with Nate, and God has a call. On your life and you have settled you have uh, you maybe even to the degree of getting addicted into sin into things that have you, held you captive that, that have prevented you from being able to say yes to God and you need to just simply come back again humble yourself before God and say God I know you called me and I know I've gone my own way but here I am forgive me use me and if you will go all in God is going to bless you so that you can be a blessing and he's going to use your life for his purposes amen Come on, stand with me. How many love the word of the Lord today? Thankful for it. Would you stand? God, thank you for your word that's living. About your word it says this, about itself, that your word is living and it's active. That means it's more than just what I've said. It's more than just human ideas. There is a pneuma to it. There's a spirit power to it that comes in and it's able to deal with the heart of the matter in our life if we will open ourselves up to it. So, God, we right now, we just open, we've heard the word. Now we open our life, we open ourselves up to say, God, speak, I'm listening. Say what you need to say. God, I'm wide open. We're thankful that you are the God of second chances, reboots, and restarts. And so I pray for my friends in the room that they're living in Huron. They've settled whatever that looks like in their life. But today, there's this straw. there's this tug. Would you, re- would you remind them of the calling on their life? Would you remind them of what you said to them? Would you bring them back to a place of just a humbled awe? Did you have a plan for their life that you want to use them? I pray that they would they would come back to that place and say, God, yes, yes. I pray for my friends in the room that today their their next step is to go all in. Say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Come in and be the king of my heart. And I thank you that you take broken things and you heal them. You put them back together. You restore purpose. You redeem what we have messed up. Thank you, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. And we want to be people that say yes, that step into it. So do your work right now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen.